Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So I'm excited today. Uh, most of you already know that I am a director of a program that uh, trains aspiring leaders to be school principals. Most of them go on to be superintendents and CMOs of charter, uh, CEOs of charter management organizations and the like. But I also recognize that there are a lot of people out there that listen in that are leaders in just all kinds of disciplines, nursing, psychology, education, and beyond. And so today's author, an award-winning author, is here. Really, we're going to talk about his best-selling book, some of the other work that he's doing with the Leadership Project. Um, and and just uh, his successful career, long career uh, in in coaching and in the business world. And so uh, I'm pleased to introduce you to Mick Spears. So Mick, uh, welcome. Thank you so much, Brian. It's a great pleasure to chat with you today, and I look forward to a great conversation, and I hope that your audience gets some value today. Well, I'm sure, you know, you're, so I, I want to start, first of all, I know that you tell me a little bit about um, the work that you, you've done. I know that you've uh, been leading global and regional businesses. Um, and so you have leadership experience yourself. Tell me a little bit about your background in leadership. And if you could, I'd love to hear about what really got you into deciding that you wanted to be a leader and and how you you took that step into leadership roles. Great question, Brian. So I spent 15 years in the world of defense aerospace, and then I spent 15 years in the world of urban mobility. And that's going to play a role in the story I'm about to share with you. So in the world of urban mobility, my vision was to create a world where people could move freely around their cities without delays, without congestion, and ultimately without stress. And this word stress is really important to me. Mm -hmm. Essentially what I'd done is I'd spent 15 years of my life de-stressing the way people were commuting to and from work. And then I had this creeping realization that snuck up on me. The more I researched into the world of leadership, because I myself wanted to become a better leader, and the more I looked into research from organizations like Gallup and the Association for Talent Development, the more I found that for many people, the stressful time was actually the time that they spent inside the four walls of the company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So here I was de-stressing their commute to and from work, mm -hmm. but for so many people, the stressful part was their job. We're seeing things like quiet quitting. We're seeing things like the great resignation, or you could yeah. call it the great protest. We're, we're seeing that only 16, one, six, 16% of people, Brian, truly love their job and like their boss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it. And that became a huge wake up call for me mm -hmm. to research and understand, well, where did we go wrong? Mm -hmm. So if you like my purpose in life is to de-stress people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I've pivoted away from the world of urban mobility. And I now focus on de-stressing the workplace. And that's what inspires me to do what I do today. 
Mm-hmm. And so tell me, what ways did you see people through your research showing up at work? Like what what were the things that they um, that were manifesting in mm. their behavior uh, yeah. that made you know that they were stressed at work? Besides mm. them saying being here stresses me, of course. But what 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 would you expect to see? Yeah, so there are visible things, but then it's actually the invisible stuff that's more impactful, to be honest, Brian, or okay. it's more in, more dangerous. Mm. So the visible stuff is when someone does completely burn out, completely melt down, completely lose it one day at work. And, mm-hmm. and of course, we've all seen that. I think mm-hmm. at some point we've seen mm-hmm. someone really abruptly resign or yeah. go on stress leave, et cetera, et cetera. But that's the percentage of that's not that big. But the percentage of people that just disengage, yes, that's the thing that's going on here. So the behavior, the way it uh, manifests itself is in discretionary effort mm. where people just mm. stop. They stop trying. They stop putting their heart and soul into it because they don't believe in it anymore. Mm-hmm. And there's, I'm sure we're going to unpack what some of the reasons are that that lead them to that point where they do lose interest so much that they do quite quit and disengage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting that you brought up um, Gallup because I'm a, uh, a Gallup certified strengths coach myself. And, mm-hmm. um, and it is, it, I, I think one of the big areas here that they talk about with regard to people being in the workplace is that when they are, uh, working in what they call their strength zone, um, they say things like that people actually look forward to going to work. And so some yeah. of that has to do with the things that happen. So in terms of their engagement, I, you you said when you when you mentioned that, that that disengagement impacts productivity. And that's the lifeblood of a lot of most organizations that people are are productive. Um, now, since most of the people listening in are either aspiring leaders or leaders, I'd, I'd love to hear you tell us a little bit about how, how leaders in initially engage with this. So your book is, uh, not, so you're a leader now, what I think is, is the, the title or somewhere along those, but, but that's the gist that you're a leader now, what I know I've coached a number of people where they feel they have a mandate to start doing cer- certain things right away. And so the question most people uh, have for themselves is that question, now what do I do? So what what insight do you have about what they, just just the teaser, of course, because we want people to go out and get that book, but yeah. but what what kinds of things do you have that you suggest that where people start? All right. So, so let's build that story well, yep. along those lines, right? So yeah. So the title of the book is you're a leader now what, mm-hmm. and it's designed for anyone that's going into their very first leadership role mm-hmm. or anyone that's going through a leadership transition. So they might be going from a junior leadership position into senior management, from senior management into executive leadership, maybe even into their first CEO role as an example. So it's about leadership transitions. And this is what happens, particularly that first time leader. I'll focus on that one for a moment, Brian. Mm -hmm. So someone is usually a, they've been very good at their craft, very good at their domain, 
They've been an amazing software engineer, a great accountant, a wonderful nurse, whatever the case may be. And then they get tapped on the shoulder and they say, you know, get told, congratulations, you're the team leader now. From here on, they go through a roller coaster of emotions. They have the euphoric highs where they've finally been recognized for being good at their craft and being good at what they do. But then comes the thud. And the thud is the anxiety of not knowing what to do next, yes. where they realize that no one has shown them what it means to be a leader. So their only point of reference at that point is to start mimicking the behaviors of leaders before them. Mm -hmm. And if we're mm -hmm. sitting in a world where only 16% of people truly love their job and like their boss, all we're doing is replicating and exacerbating the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So the purpose of this book is to nip it in the bud and say, okay, with a few course corrections early in your career, you can start learning the practice of leadership early on. Mm -hmm. Now you ask for a few early tips. So here's, I'm going to keep this one relatively basic. Mm -hmm. What do people really want in the workplace? They want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to feel like they matter and they want to feel like they've got opportunities to grow. And if you're a leader and you think about that every single day, you're going to go along in a good course towards being a good leader, maybe even a great leader. Mm -hmm. Only four things. If you mm -hmm. just focus on those four things, mm -hmm. you're going to be better off than leaders that just go into leadership blindly and feel their way around. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. people want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to feel like they matter and they want opportunities to grow. Mm -hmm. Now I could reverse that now, Brian, and say the common mistakes that many leaders make. Common mistakes are things like they actually do too much. Okay. They don't let go of their previous job. They keep on doing large chunks of their previous job as they get promoted. So what does that do? It means that their team are no longer seen. They're no longer heard. They no, no longer feel like they matter and they no longer have opportunities to grow. So first step, step back a little bit and realize that you need to let go of large chunks of what you used to do and realize that what got you successful in your previous role is not what's going to get you successful in your new role. Yeah. Let's just start with that. There's some yeah. great uh, initial tips for people to work on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, something you just said really resonated with me about uh, people duplicating what they've seen. And one, what I think is a helpful tip that I give my uh, interns at times is that I'll tell them, uh, don't begrudge a bad experience. So you might find yourself uh, with a leader that's not doing many things right. Um, you can learn from that as well. Uh, don't think that, well, that's what I have to do uh, when I become a leader. Uh, you know, quite honestly, leadership in a lot of ways is very lonely. And I, you know, one of the things that I've seen where a really common problem or a common mistake 
is to feel that people are going to like you. Um, you're going to be well liked within the organization. And most of the time you have to make decisions that aren't very popular. Uh, and, and so, so, but there are times when they run across these leaders that just mistake after mistake, and then they come right into these positions and start doing the same kinds of things where mm -hmm. it is, uh, I, I don't use the language, but a lot of people use the language like their boss there. Mm -hmm. And I, I try always to use inclusive language that's really more of my philosophy around uh, that I work with people and mm -hmm. I'm responsible for uh, overseeing certain outcomes, but not the people. Like I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to have um, certain outcomes in our organization. But, but to the point that you made is that they believe that they have to behave uh, yeah. the way they've seen other leaders behave. Correct. Right. So uh, you've made me want to unpack two things there, Brian, if mm -hmm. I, if I can, yeah. the first one is an exercise that I have in the book mm -hmm. and it's called the amalgam leader. Mm -hmm. And what I get people to do is stop, think and reflect on all the leaders that they've had in the past, the good, the bad, and the indifferent. And for them to think about what was it about those leaders? What was it specifically that they did that inspired them? Mm -hmm. What was it specifically that they did that demotivated or stressed them out? And to remember those lessons, remember how it made them feel. And by taking those actions to write that down and go, well, I do remember that boss that was the jerk to me that day. Mm -hmm. Remember that so that you don't do that to your team at some time in the future, because it's very easy yeah. to fall into that repetitious uh, pattern. Sure. The, the second part is really key is about this world of co-creation. Now the, the thing, the biggest thing about leadership here is that people support what they create. Mm -hmm. The biggest misnomer about leadership that we all seem to grow up with is we think that the leader's job is to tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case at all. The leader's job is to inspire people into meaningful action around some kind of worthy cause, to give them vision, to give them purpose, potentially to give them some boundaries in which to work in. So there might be some, some goals and some, some broad brushstrokes. So to point the team in the right direction, but then allow the team to come up with their own course of action to achieve that purpose because people support what they create. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I also, in addition, when you said that they support what they create, I thought about when someone comes in, I've been a part of organizations where a new leader comes in and they assume that the mandate that they have is to do or be different from the previous leader. And so that a lot of times what they'll do is that they'll start thinking about what is going to be my legacy? What's my impact I have to make? I have a hundred days, some magical number, whatever. It's just a mm -hmm. hundred days. No, no research that says the hundred day mark means anything. But um, what 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 impact am I going to have? 
Um, and so they feel that they have to show that they're different and often try to the first thing, okay, now I'm the leader. I have to undo some of the things that the other person did. Mm. And, and it doesn't mean that you have to do that. And so my, my question is through your research and the work that you've been doing, what have you seen around that that uh, pattern of behavior where people um, perceive the mandate is that the reason I was brought in was to do something different. If I do the same thing, then that's going to be a problem. Often I hear that. Like I can't, that's what they did. They did, the, they already did that. I got to do something different. So yeah, let me unpack that quite a bit, actually, Brian. It's a really good point. The new leader's job generally is to achieve some level of transformation, but it's mm -hmm. it's not to come in and just turn everything upside down and see what shakes out. It's definitely not that, but it is to achieve some level of transformation. And that precipitates into a desire. And I'm going to use some of the language you're using. I am going to make an impact. You use the word, I am going to make an impact. Mm -hmm. And what they skip is they skip the listening phase they skip the assessment phase. They skip the analysis phase of deciding where do where do we want to go as a team? Yes. What impact do we want to have as a team? Right. So they miss out on that ability to get their team on board, to empower their team, to inspire their team, to enable their team to be part of the journey. So they get in there and it's all about them. It's all about their legacy right so if we can get leaders to realize yes that part of their job is to create a high performance team that's purpose-driven mm -hmm. that has impact but it's not about their legacy it's not about their impact it's about the collective, collective. Yeah. journey it's about the collective purpose it's about the collective impact so if we can get rid of the word i altogether there are there's probably two places where the word I is okay. And I'll get to those in a second. Mm -hmm. If leaders can ditch the word I and replace it with the word we every time, and they can do more listening mm -hmm. than talking, mm -hmm. they're going to get people on board. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to co-create something that's far greater than the leader could ever have dreamt up or, or achieved by themselves. The two exceptions about the word I the two exceptions where a leader can use the word I is when they talk about their personal vision, values, and beliefs. So I believe in a world that, or I believe in diversity. I believe in inclusion. I, so when they're talking about their personal values and beliefs, when they're talking about their personal vision, go for it, use the word I and own it. When they're admitting mistakes, sorry, team, I stuffed up completely fine. But when we're talking about, the purpose, the, 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 the achievements, the direction, all of these things, what are we going to achieve together team? What is going to make us proud? Replace the word I and me with we and us. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And, and back to the point about the impact that the collective is able to make often I've also seen where, uh, and probably 
if I had to guess, uh, there's a significant number, more than not, that when new leaders come in, as you you mentioned, that there's there's a, a degree of transformation that's expected from whoever appointed them or placed them in the leadership role. There's a, there's a degree of transformation expected. However, often that is, as I said, read as there are things that I have to do without taking the time to listen and figure yeah, right. out yeah. what it is that we need to do. Um, I, I've been a part of organizations where we know that there were there were changes that needed to be made and and a leader coming in completely from an outside position um, might come in and assume that they had the answers. That right. often causes people to disengage and sometimes even depending on how it goes, say, okay, I'm going to sit back and watch this crash because yeah. we've already learned that lesson. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I can't, I yes. can't tell you how many times I've been a part of that yeah. where, where people, where we, we already know the lesson and, and people want to re engage and do that. And yeah. I think that's a really uh, um, bad uh, place to be in as a new leader. So that becomes a learned behavior, exactly as you're talking about there, Brian. So a learned behavior is where an organization has been through multiple leaders and multiple transformation initiatives. And let's say the the next step down, the, the team members, they learn that, you know what, if they just kind of ride the wave, this one, this one will go away too, and the sun will still come up tomorrow. And they don't, they don't ever engage. They don't ever put any discretionary effort into this transformation because they don't believe in it. No, no yes. one asked them yes. Yes. they don't believe in it and therefore they don't necessarily support it. And then, you know what, the new leader fails and the next leader arrives six months later. Right. So what I'm going to encourage here, I'll point uh, your audience in the direction of another tip here, which is to look at something called the extreme question experiment. And this comes from the work of Liz Wyman, Wiseman in her book called Multipliers. Yes. And this is the idea of a leader going into a meeting and not giving any instructions, just asking questions. So team, instead of coming in and going, uh, so the, the, the antithesis is, right, team, our priorities this week are one, two, three, four. Brian, you're going to do this. Mick, you're going to do this. Joel, you're going to, you're going to do this and, and, you know, bossing people around and it's got to be done by Thursday at four o'clock, et cetera. Now off you go. No engagement, no participation, no empowerment, no enablement. The idea here in the extreme question experiment. So team, what do you think is our major priority this week? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And what makes that important? And what positive impact will come if we're able to achieve that? And what do you think the challenges will be? Mm. And how do you think we can navigate around those challenges? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. support do you need to get this done? Mm -hmm. So you just ask questions and you'll be surprised how clever your team are. Yeah. And then when they feel like they've been seen, they've been heard, that they matter, all of a sudden their energy goes through the roof because they feel like they're part of the process, yes. not just getting told what to do. Yes. Yeah, and and thank you for sharing that. That's a really that's a, that's a powerful nugget that you just um you just shared. 
um, w- there are times when leaders come in also to organizations. And by the way, um, what I'll add to what you said is that a good leader knows how to question and where the the right place to place those questions. You know, what where are we you can't just ask a bunch of questions and not have it directed. You know, like you, these are strategic questions, right? That actually get us to movement. So it's not just a thought that just ask questions. Um, I've seen a lot of leaders who come in to places. And I think this is, is a mistake when they, when people say we want transparency and a lot of people do want transparency in in the from their leaders and the the leader says things like i listen i don't know that much so i'm i'm just going to i'm going to listen to you i need you to tell me sometimes it's the language it's the communication that's off not the mm. sentiment that you are yeah, listening, right? right? Like yes. it's not just that you are listening. Sometimes if you communicate, look, what do I know? Like, no, as a leader, you you have to you have to come in with a certain level of confidence that you do know some things. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more than reasonable to say, I don't know everything. I'm new. I do know some things. And the reason I've been selected for this role is my ability to apply what I've learned in other places and use them in other contexts. That's different from just saying, I don't know anything, but I'd love to hear you say something about uh, the challenge of transparency as well for a new, for a new person to an organization. All right. So uh, first of all, I agree with you about the confidence uh, element here and there is an element of apologetic leadership and that undermines confidence and trust. So mm-hmm. you need to be careful with apologetic leadership where yeah. you start every sentence with, oh, I'm just going to, sorry to disturb you for a moment. And no, <laughs> uh, just, just get to yeah. the point. Right. Yeah. And, and the, what the framework that I'd recommend with everything we're just saying, it's not just about asking questions it's about, it's about asking better questions, listening without judgment, and then building on the answers. So it's about co-creating something together. So they give an answer and then you unpack that answer. So you, it's about asking the right questions so that you can get to the direction that you need to go as a team. And then they'll see as a leader that you're adding value and you do know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's it's not all passive and hands-off and just ask questions and your job's done. No, it's it, this is an art. It's a skill. Mm-hmm. It's art and Good. science in asking these the right questions and being able to Absolutely. listen and filter to the answers so that you can then co-create something amazing together that is greater than the sum of the parts. So the idea here is every one of you, you and every member of your team only has 24 hours in the day. But when you get together and you truly listen to each other, you can co-create something that's greater than the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you. So Mick, I know we're almost out of time. Uh, I, I told you the 30 minutes goes really, really fast. What is the big take home you have for uh, new leaders? Someone just, just as you said, new to the organization in the first few months or even year of the organization, what's the big take home you want them to have? 
Yeah. Take the time to get to know your team. Treat them with respect. Take the time every day to to ensure that your team feel seen, heard, and that they matter. And take the time to feel, give the opportunity for your team to grow. So every time you are doing something, physically your your fingers are on the keyboard or you're the one that's presenting at a conference or whatever the case may be, every time you are physically doing something, you're actually robbing someone else of the opportunity to learn how to do that. Absolutely. If you can think of these things, then you're going to go a long way as a leader. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. So uh, Mick, I know you have, you. so you have your book, You're a Leader, Now What? Uh, the Proven Path to High Performance Leadership. Uh, tell us a little bit about where people can follow you. I know you have a podcast as well. Um, leadership project. Tell us a little bit about where we can we can get information and w- any speaking engagements, places where you're going to be. Um, I'd love to hear more about how we can follow and support your work. So the best site is mixpeers.com. So M-I-C-K-S-P-I-E-R-S.com. And from there, you can get access to books, the speaking engagements, uh, everything from uh, there. I, most of my upcoming speaking engagements, uh, Brian, are private ones where I'm doing for corporates, uh, mm-hmm. speaking at their leadership conferences or, sure, or sure. their uh, their strategy summits. Uh, and the other thing is the podcast. So the Leadership Project uh, podcast. We're also quite prolific on LinkedIn. We have uh, newsletters where we're always putting out thought mm-hmm. pro- provoking yes. our content and uh and newsletters and videos uh we'd love it if you'd give us a follow on linkedin and say hello to us come and engage and ask a few questions we'd love to see you awesome thank you listen mick you've really added to me i've enjoyed this conversation as quickly as it went um but i definitely um will be uh continuing to to tune in to you on linkedin and and thank you for connecting and uh, just wishing you the best and most success uh, with your work um, and um, your New York City sometime. Please, by all means, give me a shout. I'd uh, love to sit down with you and continue our conversation. Um, but until then, go well, stay well. Brilliant. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Brian. I love the conversation as well. Thank you.